Srimati Karuna, the director of the Gandhi Memorial Center in Washington, D.C. I bring to you this series, Speaking of Gandhi, sharing the messages from the life of the Mahatma. This week, in our Speaking of Gandhi series, we look to another source of profound influence and inspiration to Gandhiji's life dedicated to truth and nonviolence. Mahatma Gandhi regarded the Sermon on the Mount and its assertion of the law of love as eternal wisdom. We know the Sermon on the Mount as a collection of sayings and moral teachings of Jesus found in the Gospel of Matthew in the New Testament of the Bible. It takes place relatively early on in the ministry of Jesus, after he had been baptized by John the Baptist, and after he had finished a period of fasting and meditation in the desert. Jesus had been all about Galilee, preaching, and great crowds followed him. Seeing the multitudes, Jesus went up unto the mountain, and after he sat down, his disciples came to him, and he began to teach them. This gives us the impression of the Sermon on the Mount as an Upanishad, Upa seated Nishad, near to, Upanishad is that which brings us nearer to God, to truth, with its simple and yet profound teaching. Charles Freer Andrews was a close friend of Mahatma Gandhi and Rabindranath Tagore. He too joined the Indian independence movement. He even encouraged Gandhiji to move back to India after his long sojourn in South Africa. And based on his initials, Gandhiji referred to Charles Freer Andrews, CFA, as Christ's faithful apostle. And both Gandhiji and Charles Andrews students at St. Stephen's College in Delhi called Charlie Andrews Dina Bandhu friend of the poor. Charles Freer Andrews published a book in 1930 entitled Mahatma Gandhi, His Life and Works. And he also wrote the following. He said, very early in my life, while engaged in the study of the Sermon on the Mount, the discovery came to me, which every learner makes sooner or later, that Christ's words in these chapters are not a series of beautiful proverbs loosely strung together, but an amazingly perfect description of character at its highest point. Christ sets before us in each moral issue that he raises the standard he demands from us as disciples. He speaks to us not from theory, but from practice. His example is all the while before us. And when he tells us that nothing less than perfection is to be our goal, we remember with awe 
that he has not only set that standard, but also attained it. Be ye perfect, he bids us with good cheer, even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. And seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Charles Andrews goes on to write, Christ was born in a village and spent his youth and early manhood as an artisan. He lived his own life in close touch with the fields and the hills. He was constantly engaged in friendly intercourse with the country folk. He loved homely stories and rhyming proverbs. To these, rather than the learned, he spoke first his universal message, and in this plain and direct way. Perhaps, in a way, Charles Andrews' description of Christ born in a village, keeping in close touch with the fields and the hills, speaking to the simple village folk, a universal message in a plain and direct way. This too reminds us of the life of the Mahatma in his village ashrams, living the life of the rural setting, contemplating how to speak simple, plain words with a profound universal message. What then are the Beatitudes from this Sermon on the Mount? But the teaching and realization of humility, compassion, and love. And as Charles Andrews describes them, not a series of beautiful proverbs loosely strung together, but an amazingly perfect description of character at its highest point. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. The Beatitudes are simple practices to teach, but not an easy path to travel. The journalist and author Vincent Sheen wrote a book about Gandhiji entitled, Lead Kindly Light. And he wrote the following description of Gandhiji, saying, The Gandhiji was so penetrated with the truth and beauty he felt in the verses of the Sermon on the Mount, that through years of effort he actually became something like a summation of the Beatitudes, the meek, the merciful the pure in heart, the peacemaker. 
His reference for Jesus and the Sermon on the Mount illumined his long struggle and gave him strength for it. Of course, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus not only brings forth the Beatitudes, but he also presents us with the Lord's Prayer. Now, prayer had a very important place in Gandhiji's ashrams. In fact, each day commenced with congregational worship from 4.15 a.m. to 4.45 a.m. And the day closed with evening prayer from 7 to 7.30 p.m. He experimented with the timing of the morning prayer, but finally settled upon the earlier time with a wake-up call at 4 a.m. to give everyone in the ashram time to wash and arrive for prayer, which was held under the canopy of the sky. He said, In all countries of the world, devotees of God and tillers of soil rise early. And he felt that without prayer there is no inward peace. He said that if insistence on truth constitutes the root of the ashram, then prayer is the principal feeder of that root. This brings us back to his appreciation for the Sermon on the Mount and the Lord's Prayer. When Gandhiji said, there is really only one prayer that we may offer, thy will be done. After all, what do we pray for? Is it not simply that God should be ever victorious in our own hearts? Recall the prayer from the Sermon on the Mount. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive our trespassers. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the glory and the power forever. Amen. We often hear the beautiful words in Arabic, Insha'Allah, God willing. And we think of the significance of these words. In our daily life, how often do we think, speak, and work with the thought of God and higher truths? It is a source of resignation to the will of God, insha'Allah. But it is also our challenge to learn what is the will of God in light of eternal truth of all. Thinking of the will of God is not merely leaving things to chance. There is an important element of responsibility placed on us to realize, to understand, and to know the very truth of our life. After all, it is truth that shall set us free. Even Jesus himself was careful to discriminate between the real and the unreal, between truth and untruth. Even he had to sort out what was God's will and what was not. This requires us to lift the consciousness to a higher state, to realize the perfection of soul. Gandhiji showed the practical relevance of the teachings in the Sermon on the Mount in this earthly life. 
he found ahimsa, nonviolence, love within the teachings of Jesus. And he worked to instill them in his own thought, word, and deed. Listen now as Dr. Monidep Day reads from the words of Mahatma Gandhi. The Sermon on the Mount went straight to my heart. I compared it with the Gita. The verses, But I say unto you, that ye resist not evil, but whosoever shall smite thee on thy right cheek, turn to him the other also. And if any man take away thy coat, let him have thy cloak too. Delighted me beyond measure, and put me in the mind of Shamal Bhats. For a bowl of water, give a goodly meal. Shamal Bhatt was a medieval Gujarati poet, and Gandhiji was influenced by his poetry from a young age. He related his poem to the message offered in the Sermon on the Mount. Bhatt's expression of returning tenfold goodness to whatever is done to us deeply attracted Gandhiji's attention and thought. He learned that true beauty consists in doing good unto evil. Gandhiji said, A Gujarati didactic stanza gripped my mind and heart. Its precept, return good for evil, became my guiding principle. It became such a passion with me that I began numerous experiments in it. And Gandhiji quoted, the wonderful lines of this stanza in his autobiography. For a bowl of water give a goodly meal, for a kindly greeting bow down with zeal, for a simple penny pay thou back with gold, if thy life be rescued, life do not withhold. Thus the words and actions of the wise regard, every little service tenfold thy reward. But the truly noble know all men as one, and return with gladness good for evil done. Closely resembling the teachings of Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount, this poem resurfaced in the mind of Gandhiji from his youth, and he renewed his dedication to its message by carrying it out in the activities of his life. Listen as Dr. Monidev Day offers messages from Mahatma Gandhi on the teaching of the Sermon on the Mount. My young mind tried to unify the teaching of the Gita, the light of Asia, and the Sermon on the Mount. That renunciation was the highest form of religion appealed to me greatly. This reading whetted my appetite for studying the lives of other religious teachers. Jesus has given a definition of perfect 
dharma in those verses. The Sermon on the Mount contained yamas, cardinal spiritual exercises. And the Lord's Prayer contains everything that the few letters of the Gayatri Mantra mean. Dharma is not merely a teaching about life. It is the way of life itself. When one feels that truth is more necessary to happiness than comfort, and that harmony with a universal being is more powerful than the assertion of a separate love, when one realizes that the best course is what benefits all, then freedom is assured. And yamas are the rules of right living. They are the self-restraint in thought, word, and deed. And of course, these guideposts were set forth in the ashram observances that Gandhiji and the others in the ashrams attempted to live by. Dr. Moni Devdey continues in these expressions of Gandhiji on the Sermon on the Mount and its correlation in his mind and heart to the profound and universal message of the Bhagavad Gita. What the sermon describes in a graphic manner, the Bhagavad Gita reduces to scientific formula. The spirit of the Sermon on the Mount competes almost on equal terms with the Bhagavad Gita for the domination of my heart. Today, supposing I was deprived of the Gita and forgot all its contents but had a copy of the sermon, I should derive the same joy from it as I do from the Gita. Mahatma Gandhi found in the message of the Sermon on the Mount the foundation of nonviolence and the power of soul force, which is love. When I read in the Sermon on the Mount such passages as Resist not him that is evil, but whosoever smited thee on the right cheek Turn to him the other also, and love your enemies and pray for them that persecute you, that he may be sons of your father which is in heaven. I was simply overjoyed and found my opinion confirmed where I least expected it. I think the Sermon on the Mount has no meaning if it is not of vital use in everyday life to everyone. The teaching of the sermon was meant for each and every one of us. The example of Jesus's suffering is a factor in the composition of my undying faith in nonviolence, which rules all my actions, worldly and temporal. The Sermon on the Mount was delivered not merely to the disciples of Jesus, but to the world. 
The purest form of soul force is its essence. To overcome evil through good, hatred by love. I look forward to sharing with you more messages each week from the life of Mahatma Gandhi. As he said, my life is my message. 